This is Marcus de Costa, pastor of House of Israel London, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this teaching edifies you, challenges, and inspires you to walk the best walk you can with Messiah Yeshua. May you be richly blessed by this message. So we begin our exploration of the gospel here. We know that Messiah Yeshua encouraged the people to search the scriptures. He encouraged them to search the scriptures because he understood being the word that within the scriptures there is life. There is life and those words which contain life spoke about him. But the people had a veil over their eyes and what that did is it limited their ability to see the words of life which manifested before their very eyes in flesh. And as a result, though, they were a people who claimed to be a people of the book, the seed of Abraham, the seed of Isaac and Jacob. Messiah identified them to be the children of the devil. They were blind. And many of them who were blind were leading blind people. And as a result, on the day of their visitation, where the one they'd been waiting for, the one that the law pointed them to, they not only rejected him, they tempted and murdered him. By following Yeshua, hearing what he said, observing what he did and replicating it, his disciples are apprenticed in the right responsibilities and occupation of the sons of God, which the journey of transformation ultimately prepares them for. In forsaking all to follow him, Yeshua's disciples have the opportunity to embed the blessed characteristics of the sons of God unto themselves in their bid to be spiritually adopted. In doing so, they ultimately renounce their citizenry of the kingdom of darkness, revoke access for the spirit of the world, which ultimately challenges the gatekeeper's livelihood of the infrastructure of oppression that they've escaped through the journey of transformation. We've been speaking and teaching and going through 
citizenship and citizenry. We've been speaking and discussing the rights and responsibilities of being a part of a kingdom, a, a citizen. Now, in the natural realm, there are rights and responsibilities of being a citizen of a kingdom. And now, if you yourself are a citizen, there are certain obligations that you have to fulfill. But you may not be aware or may not know that even though you are a citizen and therefore a member of or subject of a state, you can actually renounce your citizenship. If you renounce your citizenship, you ultimately become stateless unless before you renounce your citizenship you have dual citizenry. One of the benefits of having dual citizenry and you ultimately renouncing a citizenship is the state that you renounce your citizenship to can no longer claim access to you as a taxable member of their society. Furthermore, that also means that they can't give you the benefits of part of being a citizen of that nation. Now, part of the benefit structure of the kingdom of darkness is the multifaceted dimensions of oppression. See, there are many tones and many shades to oppression. But when you're a citizen of the kingdom of darkness, oppression is a as a is yours. Just like in the UK, the NHS, you have access to the NHS if you're a citizen of the UK. If you're a citizen of the kingdom of darkness, oppression is yours. Affliction is yours. That is, of course, unless you renounce your citizenship. The journey of transformation brings you to a place where you hand over the claim that the kingdom of darkness has upon you and you say, I am no longer yours. I don't need to, I don't need 
the, the benefits of being a part of this kingdom. My affections, my citizenship is one to the kingdom of heaven, to the kingdom of light, because you now have become born again. And as we know, you can't serve two masters. So if you ultimately are a dual citizen, you've got one foot in the kingdom of Jehovah and one foot in the kingdom of darkness. The primary claim over you is of the devil. Because Messiah Yeshua already said, I would rather you were cold than lukewarm. Because you're lukewarm, I'm, 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 I have to spew you out of my mouth. Be either hot or cold. So we have to choose. We have to choose. And I'm saying all of this to say... In this kingdom of darkness, there are gatekeepers. Gatekeepers. People, institutions, organizations that stand at the gate. You know, like in, in Israel, you may be familiar with the term elders at the gate in the kingdom of darkness there are some elders at the gate there are some representatives at the gate so that whenever they there's an issue within the kingdom of darkness they turn up they crop up their counsel is sought for As we continue um, the message, th this will become abundantly clear. So hold on with me as we press forward. We're going to begin in Matthew chapter 15, verse 39. And he sent away the multitude and took ship and came into the coast of Magdala. Magdala, initially, before we look at Magdala, let's consider where he was initially. He went into Tyre and Sidon. He dealt with the Grecian, Canaanite, Syrian Phoenician woman, healing her daughter who was vexed by a devil. He came back into the region of Galilee, fed the multitude once again with bread and fish. And now he is approaching Magdala. Now Magdala is another town which is in the area of Galilee. But in verse 1 of chapter 16, it says the Pharisees also with the Sadducees came. Now we have to consider and remember 
who the Pharisees were, who the Sadducees were, and where, if we remember in chapter 15, where they came from. They came up from Jerusalem. But this is the first time in Scripture, in the Gospels, that we ultimately see them coming together. Usually it's the Pharisees. Usually it's the Pharisees and the scribes, the doctors of the law. However, now they are joining themselves, they are aligning themselves together because they have a joint threat to the infrastructure of oppression and power, influence and control that they both have stock in. So they're coming together to agitate, to tempt, to alter, which ultimately leads to an alliance that ends up Yeshua being on the cross. The infrastructure of oppression, the system by which the kingdom of, kingdom of darkness tacitly controls you, uses gatekeepers to head you in. The religious establishment, because of its use of biblical cultural eisegesis, in order to justify and maintain its own existence is a gatekeeper for the kingdom of darkness. The religious establishment is fully versed in biblical cultural eisegesis, which means there is a presupposing, an insertion of their own ideas, their own norms, their own values, their own culture into the interpretation of scripture. So now, instead of having disciples of Yeshua, who are universal in their belief, who hear what the Master Yeshua said, observe what he did and do it. You have people who believe in Yeshua while at the same time live a lifestyle that makes them distinct from the believers and disciples because they are Greek, because they are Roman, because they are Gentiles. And as such, what actually happens, which I'm describing here, is 
the religious establishment, because it's embedded into the structure of society, becomes a gatekeeper for the kingdom of darkness. It becomes a gatekeeper for, for the kingdom of darkness because the moment you try to leave and renew your mind, so no longer are you thinking like a Grecian, no longer are you thinking like a Roman or a European or any other culture that is contrary to the word of the Most High. Here comes your pastor. Here comes your bishop, your pope. Here comes the rabbi to tell you that you don't need to do those things. That's for the Jews. That's Old Testament. Tools in the Toolkit of the devil causing you to not go through this process of not only your mind being renewed, but the way your body is led by your mind. And as a result, you have millions of people who may call upon the name of the Lord while not being led by him. Because if they were led by him, they would follow him in what he said. They will follow him in what he did. So the religious establishment, because of its use of biblical cultural eisegesis in order to justify and maintain its existence, is a gatekeeper for the kingdom of darkness. As a consequence, when you journey down the road of transformation unto the kingdom of light, the gatekeepers for the kingdom of darkness will trouble and tempt you just like the Pharisees, scribes and Sadducees did Yeshua. You may have encountered this. More than likely you have. And if it hasn't happened to you yet... Continue to walk with Messiah Yeshua. Continue this process of discipleship that you should be on. Continue in the word. Continue seeking Father's face. The pursuit of righteousness and holiness. And at some point in time, the Pharisees will turn up. The Sadducees will turn up. The scribes will turn up. With their spaghetti gospel, their counterfeit gospel. You'll get a call from the pastor. You'll get a call from missionary so-and-so to try and keep you 
penned in. Because if you leave, and if more people leave, then that power structure that has been in operation, generation after generation, begins to crumble. It, be, it, it, it comes down. Because they support this system of unrighteousness. Why? Because it's not based on the truth. If it's not based on the truth, then it's contrary to God. It's contrary to unrighteous. It's contrary to righteousness. It's contrary to holiness. Because it's the truth that sets you free. And the father sent the son so you can be free. Because you leaving for the light threatens the power, control and influence of darkness, not just in your life, but the structure as a whole, gatekeepers tempt to hinder you or gatekeepers attempt to hinder you from leaving. Matthew 16 verse 1. Matthew 16, verse 1, the Pharisees also with the Sadducees came and tempting desired him that he would show them a sign from heaven. You see, the issue that Yeshua had with the Pharisees, with the scribes and the Sadducees, you may have the same issue with the fellowship you came out from. The people who you may have gone to church with or to the synagogue with. Their issue was, we want to see a sign from heaven. We're not going to believe until we see a sign from heaven. Now you journey on this path of transformation. These people become interested in the doctrine. What you're teaching, what you believe. They want to go and wrestle you in their interpretation of the Bible against yours. Let's not forget these people have been trained to jump around the Bible in a bid not to initiate a discipleship but to be able to prove and validate a position that they have. So they will be able to jump all around the Bible. So you say one thing, they've got already got a response. In other words, they're not observing the fact that you've been transformed. 
or rejoicing in the fact that you now have shalom, that you've been healed, that you've been set free, you have peace of mind, there's peace in your home, you have hope, you have purpose. None of those things which are a fruit of citizenry to the kingdom of Jehovah account for anything to these people. Just like it didn't matter to these people that 4,000 men were just fed miraculously. Prior to that, 5,000 men, excluding women and children, were fed miraculously. That people were sending their sick, their diseased, their lame, their, their mute, their dumb, their lunatics. And they were being healed. None of that matters except for their interpretation and their doctrine points to the fact that you might be wrong. And we're going to wrestle and debate and argue about them being right, who are still bound as opposed to your freedom. Those part of the kingdom of darkness the gatekeepers for the infrastructure of oppression, the works you do and the fruit you manifest will never be enough to give them cause to humble themselves and repent. They have a lust for control, power and influence that they won't relinquish. See, your freedom, your liberty to the kingdom of darkness is a threat. The truth you have is a threat because it is deception that empowers the wickedness. Deception. Because if all men knew the truth and received it, there would be freedom. There would be liberty. There would be joy. There would be healing. Everlasting life. So when you walk in truth, walk in this transformation leading unto the light, you become a threat. And as a consequence, these people who are embedded into this system of oppression, they're not really trying to hear you. They're not really trying to listen to what you have to say. What they want to do is shut you down and ensure that they shut you down, they tarnish what you believe, they disregard 
what you are teaching so all those others who are still oppressed will separate themselves from you who leaving could potentially lead the way. Now at this point I'm speaking about the religious establishment but this is a truth that covers the whole spectrum of life. In much the same way there are commandments in the kingdom of God, statutes and judgments in order to extend your life, to extend your prosperity, to bless you, to increase you. There are commandments, statutes and judgments of the wicked one. There are rules that are written and there are rules that are unwritten according to the wicked one. And many people knowing and unknowingly abide by those rules. Some of those rules come in the form of legislation. Policies in your workplace. Commitments that you have to have if you want to be a part of such and such organization. And as a result, you have a people walking around freely going wherever they want to do go, freely doing whatever they want to do. But the moment your mind is enlightened, your heart is enlightened and the veil is removed from your eyes, you recognize this is a fraud. This is a deception. Because if I choose to not live a worldly way, but a holy way, here comes the gatekeepers to provoke, to tempt, and to cut me off so I can't speak to now these people who are still bound. Not just in the church, but in many areas of, of life as it is today. Messiah said in Matthew 23 verse 13. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Now, th this word hypocrites is particularly used for the religious establishment and is speaking about an actor. Under an assumed character, a stage player. Figuratively, a dissembler. He's calling the religious establishment, the Pharisees, the scribes, stage players. You have to ask yourself, why would they be performing? What purpose would they be performing? 
Well, if you have a lust for mammon, if you have a lust for power and control and influence over people, that's your motive for the performance. But hypocrisy isn't exclusive to the, to the religious establishment. Most of that which you see and which is presented is a performance. Whether it be as an individual performing, presenting the best foot forward, that which you see on your television, on your laptop, on your phone, in your newspaper, on your radio. Those who speak from podiums and dictate what nations and laws are going to come into play. All of that is a performance. Messiah called them hypocrites. And there are many hypocrites who are leading nations to this day. Those who wish to impose rules upon you for your safety and your security and your well-being, all the while not believing it for themselves because they break their own rules. But here is why he called them hypocrites. For ye shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For ye neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in. So now these individuals are performing that they are opening the kingdom of, of the Most High unto those who follow them, when actually what they're doing is closing the kingdom of the Most High off from people and leading them to destruction. That should sound familiar to, to you in the day and time that we are in right now. And it's for this cause that Messiah said you have to strive to enter in to the gate. Strive to enter into the gate. Because if you don't strive to enter into the gate, then you won't get past the gatekeepers. The gatekeepers who have created this structure of power, of influence and control over the masses in a bid to keep you out of the kingdom of heaven. And if that is their function, by their fruit, you should know that many of the religious establishment is on the payroll of Satan himself. But if that be the case, when you come to discipleship and you carry many of their doctrines and learnings with you, then though you are on the road of freedom, 
You are being shackled and bound. The first time in Yeshua's ministry, the Pharisees and Sadducees, two opposing fractions, allied themselves together in a bid to shut the kingdom of heaven against men. By disregarding the works and fruit of the Messiah, they should have been preparing themselves to receive. In, in Matthew 16 verse 2, he answered and said unto them, When it is evening, ye say, it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and lowering. You, O ye hypocrites, this is that word hypocrites again. Ye can discern, discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. Now this discern is speaking about separate thoroughly. To separate thoroughly, to withdraw from. It means to, 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 to judge. In other words, brothers and sisters, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they were able to discern things in the natural. They could tell what, 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 what the weather would be like in the natural realm. They could judge things carnally, but they couldn't judge the sign of the times. They were unaware, simply through observing Yeshua the Messiah, what the season was. And the reason why, as you will see, they couldn't discern the season. They couldn't discern Yeshua as Messiah is because instead of bathing themselves in the purity of the word, they added unto themselves and to the people the rites, the customs and traditions of men which they wanted to guard and protect because it gave them power, it gave them influence and control and that ultimately led them to murder. This should sound familiar to you. Because the day and time that we are in, we are dealing with this same issue, this same blindness, this same wickedness that Messiah had to deal with all them years ago. A people who have more concern about maintaining what they have and therefore blinding themselves and blinding the people against the truth than to humbling themselves to the sovereignty of the word at a cost, at a potential cost of their livelihood, of their, of the stuff that they've been given to be gatekeepers. The religious establishment 
were unable to discern the sign of the times and therefore tempted, provoked and murdered the Messiah because by rejecting the commandments of God so they could keep their own traditions they became blind and therefore bloodthirsty. They propped up their own ideals, their own values to the degree that when the one who they should have been preparing the people for came, they tempted him and murdered him, but not just him. The prophets that were sent before him, the prophets and the apostles that were sent after him also. And if that spirit, that same spirit and darkness was around 2,000 years ago and it was embedded into religion, the religious establishment, those self-same spirits exist to this day. And it's for this cause why religion seems to be so embedded into the notion of state and nation, many of which, all of which are wicked. Now, I mentioned in, in one of my, my own um, videos how if you had a discerning eye watching an inauguration, whether it be of the president, a prime minister, or of a queen, what you will see is how much religion and God, Bible, is involved. How much is, how much of this notion of a divine calling to lead is used to prop up the notion of a king, a queen, a president, a prime minister, a premier, and so on. The power these individuals have 
and these institutions have is embedded into or gleans from the fact that we, according to scripture, were born free. We were made in the image of the Most High. Adam was made in the image of the Most High. We were born free. We were given dominion over the earth and not that of each other. And if so, where does the license come from whereby we can rule, subjugate and command people to no longer take upon the image of the Most High and follow His commandments, but their commandments. Well, God has given them the permission to lead. And as such, you should follow them because their power and their authority comes from God. This is how this is so dangerous. Because it's come from the Pharisees, the scribes and the Sadducees. Being in collusion with Rome. To Rome. Taking on the mantra and moniker of being a faith-based state and kingdom and distributing what we can call democracy and a academic, political and economic system that has its origin in the notion of faith. All the way back to Pharaoh. He was a man but he was also a God. To Caesar. Who was a man but was also a God. To where we come to today. Where these. These people. These organisations take on. The authority of God. Teaching for law, the commandments of men, all the while seemingly positioning the commandments of God into the area of criminality. I'm hoping I'm making sense. And you're following me. The rights, customs and traditions of men that license unto them power, control and influence over the people are the self-tamed doctrines of devils that prop up the power structure of darkness today. The gatekeepers locked the door for the kingdom of God back then as they do today. It's for this cause that you must strive to enter in. Otherwise, you, like them, won't be able to discern the sign of the times. 
Isaiah 35 verse 1, this is what they should have been reading. This is what they should have used to help them to discern Messiah as Yeshua. Isaiah 35 verse 1, the wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad for them and the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice even with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given unto it. The excellency of Carmel and of Sharon. They shall see the glory of Jehovah and the excellency of our God. Strengthen ye the weak hands and confirm the feeble knees. Say to them that are of a fearful heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, even God with a recompense. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap as an heart and the tongue of the dumb shall sing. For in the wilderness shall waters break out and streams in the desert. So there are many passages of scripture, messianic prophecies, which should have prepared the people for that person Moses spoke about in Deuteronomy 18, the prophet. But when the prophet came, He threatened the stability of their power and influence over the nation. The rejecting of the commandments of God so they may keep their own tradition caused them to seek to uphold the racket that they had developed. And reject the one who was sent to save them. But it doesn't end with Messiah Yeshua. It continued with the apostles up until this day. That warfare, that contention with darkness and light continues up until this day, until we hear that the enemies of Yeshua have been made his footstool. And if Yeshua is our master, then his enemies become ours. So this isn't a, 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 a matter of negotiation. This is a, 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 a battle that has already been won, but because of deception, the people are blind to the victory. And as a result, they are like in a simulation. Walking out a simulation of freedom all the while 
carrying that baggage of being bound, broken, bruised, lame, unable to prosper, to thrive. The very things Yeshua was sent to do for his people. A wicked, this is Matthew 16 verse 4, a wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign and there shall no sign be given unto them. A wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. Why? Because the truth is everywhere for you to see. It wasn't hidden. There were things that Messiah said, do not publish this. Do, do not uh, spread abroad. Don't just go to the priest. Go straight to when And the people spread the whole message. Messiah had evangelists spreading the message contrary to what he told them to do. Everyone heard about Yeshua Messiah of Nazareth. Everyone heard of his miracles, signs and wonders, which is why they came from Jerusalem to tempt him. There were people coming from Tyre and Sidon, from Damascus, from Syria, beyond the Jordan to Capolis. We hear by the end of the Gospels, Grecians were coming to him. And yet they came because he, they heard he was a authoritative teacher, unlike the scribes and the Pharisees and Sadducees who were hypocrites. But they came also knowing that if I bring my sick, my diseased, the demon possessed, the lame, the deaf, the dumb, the blind. This is the one who's going to heal them. And yet, though the works demonstrated his anointedness, him as Mashiach, they asked for a sign. That's an indication of carnality. That's an indication of I'm looking for something to affirm my carnality. I'm not looking for what's written. I'm not prepared to search the scriptures. I'm not prepared to search myself. What I want to see is something in the natural realm in accordance to my own standard. I know people are claiming the thousands of, of, of people being fed fish and bread. But I want to see, just like the children with Moses, bread coming from heaven. That's what I want to see. Show me a sign from heaven. I want to see quails. 
These people were carnal. In much the same way, you may deal with carnal people. The glory of the Most High manifests. People are healed. And the Pharisees, Sadducees and scribes in this day and age want to ask you, well, if you are this mighty healer, why don't you go to the nearest hospital? In other words, I don't believe that you are who you say you are. I don't believe that the word could manifest through you, that the manifestation of glory can manifest through you. I don't believe none of that, but show me a sign by going into the hospital. That is the testament of a wicked and adulterous generation who want to cast the words of the living God to the side and prop up their own word, their own standard and try and make you subject unto it. But notice how Although Messiah was doing these mighty works, there was only one sign Messiah gave to that wicked and adulterous generation. So when they were saying, show, we, we, we want to see a sign. Show us a sign from heaven. Prove, prove, your, prove yourself. Come down from the cross. Prove yourself. Show us. One sign he gave them. And when you are dealing with Pharisees and Sadducees and scribes in your day and time. And they speak to you in such a way. Once you recognize who you're dealing with. Don't subscribe to that ignorance. Don't allow them to cause you to act presumptuously and tempt the Most High God through now. They speak, they instruct, they command and you obey. That's exactly what the devil did in the wilderness to Messiah Yeshua. And he let the devil know, I don't have to listen to you. The devil was talking for 40 days. I don't have to listen to you. He worshipped the most high and him alone did he serve. This is the one sign that he gave. But 
the sign of the prophet Jonas, and he left them and departed. They didn't get a sign from heaven. He told them, the only sign you're get, getting is the sign of the prophet Jonah. And he left and departed. See, there's times when you're dealing with ignorant people that we have to remind ourselves not to cast our pearls before the swine. Once you recognize you're dealing with a swine, that your, your, hand, your, your hands with the pearl should go back in your pocket. Walk away. Because when you're dealing with the gatekeepers, you're dealing with the know-it-alls. The purpose of the conversation is to tempt, tempt is to provoke, is to challenge, is to report back, is to discourage you, dissuade you while keeping those who potentially could go the way you've gone in the pen. Messiah Yeshua knew he, he didn't need to subscribe to that. He's not a part of the kingdom of darkness. He doesn't have to follow their commandments, their rules, their way of doing things. He just walk up another mountain and start preaching. Let the eyes of the people see and the ears of the people see for themselves. So don't subscribe to the system of iniquity and the system of wickedness, believing that you can go in and make a difference and change it. Don't go into Babylon thinking you can rise to the top of Babylon and, and, and bring it down. No. Our calling isn't to subscribe to the systems of this world and, and give them our voice and give them our power and give it our energy. We already have a kingdom. And the kingdoms of this world is not designed on a blueprint of the scripture. So why would we go in? The lack of the ability to discern as a consequence of rejecting the commandments of God in a bid to uphold their own traditions made them wicked and adulterous. Because they couldn't discern the manifestations of glory that affirms Yeshua as the word, they asked for a sign which ultimately demonstrated their carnality. In Matthew 12, verse 40, he's already expressed what this sign is. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So they're familiar with this sign. The only sign Yeshua gave to that wicked and adulterous generation is the same sign this wicked and adulterous generation 
purposefully misconstrue. This is what this wicked and adulterous generation wants you to believe. This is what the church wants you to believe. The death, burial and resurrection, according to the sign, three days and three nights, in two nights and one day. So remember everything that I've said before about the power structure, about maintaining influence, control and authority, as opposed to the kingdom of Jehovah, where we are all brethren, though we have appointed um, ministries within the body of Messiah Yeshua, and there being a significant distinction between light and darkness, though they could not discern the sign and refuse the sign all those years ago, it is still being refused to this day. This is what they want you to believe. They want you to believe three days and three nights took place in two nights and one day. So he gave up the ghost. You can see there. On Good Friday. Good Friday afternoon. Just before the sun went down. And he resurrected early. Early on Sunday morning. One day and two nights. Now the Pharisees, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribed, rejected that sign to the degree that they went about and start bearing false witness, making the claim that the disciples stole the body. They rejected the sign. In much the same way, many who claim Jesus is Lord, reject this self-same sign by claiming a one, night and one, one day and two nights resurrection, death and burial. And the reason why they do it is because they want to prop up this system of oppression, this kingdom of darkness, and they want to maintain it. They want to maintain it because if you believe the truth, that kingdom of darkness would come down. Because the kingdom of darkness, especially the religious establishment portion, is embedded into the politics. It's embedded into the economics, academia, history and culture. It's all over. It's... it's, it's it, the tentacles of it is everywhere. What happens when the truth is told? The truth is told there needs to be a political reformation. There needs to be an academic reformation, a cultural reformation, an economic reformation. A historical reformation. 
And that's what's coming. That is what is coming. And we are the disciples of Yeshua, Israel, are the first fruits of that reformation. That reforming of the earth, a new kingdom, which is within us, materializing and reigning forevermore. Amen. Now let's look at what actually happened. Now what I want to say is, we went through what I'm showing you here in great detail in the mark of the church and sign of God, chapter two in the book or teaching two, and the gospel in real time. Those are two teachings where what I'm touching upon today and what I will um, expound upon at the appropriate time in exploring the Gospels will be presented in greater detail. But here is what actually took place. Messiah Yeshua was put in the grave on the day of the Passover while he was the Passover sacrifice, which was to be sacrificed approaching the evening that would begin the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which was a Sabbath. The resurrection of Yeshua actually took place and again, during those two teachings and further along the line, we will go through it extensively. I will give you every single scripture to affirm what I'm saying to you and have done it in these two messages already. Messiah rose not early Sunday morning, but he rose three days and three nights from the time he was put in the sepulchre, he died on the day of the Passover sacrifice. He rose on the Sabbath day. It's important that we understand the sign because when we understand the sign, we will see that the sign, unlike what the religious establishment has taught, claiming the sign affirms a transition to Sunday worship. It actually affirms the observation of Passover him being our Passover lamb. A continued observation of the Sabbath day. Him resurrecting on, on the Sabbath day. Him being the Lord 
of the Sabbath day. And if it affirms the Sabbath day, then it also affirms the Sabbaths. Because the Bible teaches that they put him in the sepulcher because the Sabbath approached, which was the Sabbath of unleavened bread. And his disciples honoured that Sabbath. So understanding the sign will cause you to bring yourself into alignment to those who were his disciples thousands of years ago. Because the sign affirms the sign of covenant relation. Misunderstanding the sign, rejecting the sign, brings you into, ultimately, this narrative that you can reject the commandments of God, which is the same narrative that caused the people to be wicked and adulterous, not being able to discern the times. The darkened hearts of Pharisees, scribes and Sadducees is fueled by the lust for control, power and influence over the people. This darkness is seeded by the rejection of God's commands and therefore positions them as Satan's kingdom's gatekeepers, which those following Yeshua flee. This darkness exists to this day. Both the church and synagogue are and have historically been tools used in Satan's utility belt to shut the door of the kingdom of God from those who earnestly seek it. If this wickedness is upheld through hypocrisy and deception, then the truth will set all mankind free. The truth will set us free. But for us to become free, we have to continue in his word. If we continue in his word, then we will become disciples indeed. Then we will know the truth. This is why, brothers and sisters, we must teach and support the gospel of the kingdom without the traditions of men. This is why we do not go through, I do not go through and embed into the transmission of the gospel, the doctrine and denominational teachings that have come from those who are connected to the religious establishment which ultimately persecuted those who looked, lived, believed 
just like Yeshua Messiah. The very same people that instituted Sunday worship, a rejection of the commands, were the same people who, years before, were throwing believers to the lions. Who, years before, were complicit with the persecution of the saints. But if we take it back a little further, the traditions of the sages, the traditions of the rabbis and of the elders blinded the people to the degree that there were prophets who came before to warn them were killed and the prophet who God sent himself to save them, un who was sent unto his own, wasn't received, was killed in addition to those who followed him. And that's why we can't apologize for keeping religion out of the faith, unless it's the true religion. To look after the widows, to, get, to, to, to look after the fatherless, and so on. So we can't apologize. I'm not going to apologize for not Presenting the faith through the lens of Judaism. Presenting the gospel of the kingdom through the lens of Christianity. Now we have to come with the truth. In Matthew 16 verse 15. And when his disciples were come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. When Yeshua said unto them, take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. Now we're going to just look at Matthew, Mark 5 verse 15, because this phrase and this whole situation with the Pharisees and Sadducees is, is mirrored. But here it says, and he charged them saying, take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the leaven of Herod. So we're, we're talking about Pharisees, Sadducees and Herod. And, and this is Matthew 16 verse 7. And they reasoned among themselves saying, it is because we have taken no bread, which when Yeshua perceived, he said unto them, O ye of little faith, why reason ye among yourselves because ye have no bread? Bread is not the issue. To think that it's bread, you have little faith because he's demonstrated he's got the bread situation. Verse 9. Do ye not yet understand 
neither remember the five loaves of the 5,000 and how many baskets you took up. Neither the seven loaves of the 4,000 and how many baskets you took, ye took up. Bread is not the issue. How is it that ye do not understand that I spake it not to you concerning bread, that ye should beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees? Then understood they how that he bade them not to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. You have to beware of leaven. You have to beware of doctrine. Now the doctrine you have to beware of, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, of Herod, in another place is hypocrisy. But the hypocrisy and doctrine are interchangeable. Because the doctrine is a performance. It's a stage show. You have some of the vilest crimes against humanity historically performed by those who on a Sunday will dress up in their priestly garments and then leave the plateau and leave the the place, the lectern, to live a lifestyle which is wicked and will have them stoned if they actually lived in a time from the book that they, that they just read from. The most vile of people can hide behind the Bible. Hypocrisy, deception, deceit, and yet out of that comes customs, traditions, rituals, rites, which though on the surface don't appear to be harmful. But when that leaven causes you to cease from keeping the commandments of God, then they become dangerous. And as a result, you should beware of them because check the motive of the devil. It is to kill. It is to initiate the law of sin and death in your life so you can die in your sins and then be sent to into the lake of fire. The religious establishment has a role in that. 
But Cheki didn't just say Herod, um, the Pharisees and Sadducees. He also said Herod. Herod had a doctrine. The Herodians had a doctrine in much the same way the, the Pharisees and Sadducees did. See, there's political doctrine. There's economic doctrine. There's academic doctrine. There's cultural doctrine. As well as religious doctrine. And all of these create an, a, a culture, an environment which, when you are born into a state, become imposed upon you. So there is a culture, a way of living which distinguishes an Englishman from a Nigerian. To the degree where even a Englishman who is from Cornwall is different from an Englishman who is from Liverpool. Those doctrines, Pharisees, Sadducees, Herod, political, economic, religious, academic, historical, and so on, you have to be aware of because it is leaven. It's leaven to the degree whereby Messiah Yeshua can be in your midst and you won't recognize him. The word of the truth will be in your midst and you won't recognize him. This is why you have a black church. This is why you have a white church, a Korean church. You have a Methodist church. You have an Anglican church, a Catholic church. Didn't Messiah say that his purpose and function is to establish one sheepfold? So why are there all these different sheepfolds who have their own culture, their own order of service to the Most High? When the Most High, as far as I can see, spoke from the heavens to a people, one people who were responsible to taking that word to the world. Leaven is dangerous. Politics is dangerous. How is it, brothers and sisters, we are told that we are a kingdom of priests and yet there is so much division based upon politics within the body of Messiah. Leaven is dangerous. And just as, just as 
The religious establishment in the days of Yeshua, with few exceptions, can be blinded by the leaven, so can you. If you're interested in politics, what's the politics of the kingdom of Jehovah? That political system is centered around the king. It is centered around the king. The king, Messiah Yeshua, was sent into the earth to tell you this is the policies and procedures of the kingdom. This is how you are to live. This is the economy of the kingdom. This is the healthcare system of the kingdom. This is the structure of the government of the kingdom. And you have to decide what kingdom you're going to subscribe to. The one of light or the one of darkness. Beware of doctrine of the establishment. The infrastructure of oppression that teaches rights, customs and traditions of men, all the while casting aside the commandments of God. The doctrine of the Pharisees, Sadducees and Herod were religious, political, economic, cultural, academic and historical. Don't allow the kingdom of darkness to shut the door unto that of light through religion, politics, history, culture, academia or the economy. Otherwise, it is your doctrine the saints should beware of. The Bible says that the earth is Jehovah's. The earth is the Lord and the, the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world and they that dwell therein. This transmission that is laced with leaven, democracy, it seeks to divide a people based upon the territory that you live under or live in and the ownership of the state you are subject to. That's not Bible. That is not Bible at all. You may not be aware of this. But when Adam was formed. From the, the, the dust of the ground. There was no United Kingdom. 
There was no Brazil. There was no Canada. There was no New Zealand or Australia or Zambia. Didn't exist at that time. There has been an a evolution of nations, of kingdoms, of territories, to the degree that with exception of but a few, the names of countries today would be unrecognizable to those during or prior to the flood. So the people of the nations today, many of them have taken upon an identity which isn't authentic. Not authentic for at least the last few hundred years. Who gave them the identity? Who gave the identity that you are, for example, Pakistani, Bangladeshi, American? Where did that come from? Well, to establish an identity, you need certain things. But if those certain things do not come from the scripture, then where does it come from? Well, you need a culture. You need a law. You need a history, a shared history. You need a shared language. You need institutions that people can, can um, look to as, as sacred, shared institutions, and so on. But if those things don't come from the Most High, then who is giving you the identity? And if your identity doesn't come from the Most High and your identity and your nation is against this nation whose identity don't come from the Most High, then why is this people hating that people? Why is that people hating this people? Citizens don't generally don't start wars. Generally. Citizens don't generally start wars. It's the people in the towers. The people behind the gated the gated fence. The untouchable people, the privileged, 
the bourgeois, those people. We need to renew our minds. We need to renew our minds. Thank you for fellowshipping with us today. I hope that teaching blessed you. But here is how you can be a blessing to us. By donating a small amount each month, by tithing and giving offerings to House of Israel London, you will help us continue to host and broadcast our services locally and to the world. Thanks to the faithfulness of a very small number of saints, we are able to hire our venue for weekly feast, Sabbath and prayer services. Purchase equipment allowing us to record and broadcast our teachings. Stream services live onto the internet. Promote our ministry across the internet allowing us to be a worldwide witness for Yeshua the Messiah. Upload and host teaching videos, podcasts, blog posts and more on our website. Submit our podcast to iTunes and other global platforms. Answer questions live, by email or by phone. And there is much more. But our ministry can't continue these services to improve, to grow, to make an impact without your support. If you have been blessed by our ministry, by our weekly and feast Sabbath services, through our online fellowship, by the hundred plus teaching videos, by having your questions answered, through counsel, through prayer, or by the myriad of things not listed above, I invite you to support us. You can donate via our website at www.hoilondon.co.uk forward slash pages forward slash donate. Alternatively, why not call me on 03333447454 to discuss other options. Proverbs 3 verse 9 reads, Honour Jehovah with thy substance, and with the firstfruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. If you desire this ministry to bless others as it has blessed you, then start supporting us today. Shalom.